Hey, true crime fans. Have you listened to Wine and Crime yet? We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by three childhood friends who chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash our worst Minnesotan accents. Each week, us gals pick a true crime topic and pair it with a delicious wine before delving into the background and psychology behind the crime. Then we share and speculate wildly about a couple of bonkers cases related to the topic. Past episodes include necrophilia, cults, crimes of passion, cruise ship disappearances, exorcisms gone wrong, all this over a bottle of wine or, let's be real, three. Listen anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod, and check out our website and blog at WineandCrimePodcast.com. Cheers! This is Historical AF. I'm Natalie. I'm Kina. And I'm Luciano. And this is episode 23, Lady Bits Part 2. Yeah, <laughs> we are a historian, a librarian, and a special guest bringing you the weird, funny, spooky, morbid historical nugs you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Yay, thanks for coming back. Yes, so funny. Bienvenidos, everybody. <laughs> and also, yay, Natalie's not dying this time. I'm less uh, sick but now. <laughs> yeah. Man, you sounded so rough. Yeah, you did. I knew, I knew while we were recording, I was like, oh, she sounds like she's dying. When I was editing, I was like, oh, shit. She was yeah. really like, dying. But I know. I'm, I didn't I didn't go back to watch because I know what you did. I didn't need to. But <laughs> I, could, I could see my face and my reflection like slowly fading. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't. I don't remember you said you were sick, but I just remember looking at you going, that bitch angry, man. Why is she all grumpy? <laughs> and she goes, I feel sick. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. She's not me. She's not me. <laughs> or just like extreme bitch face. You know, either way. <laughs> oh, I get it. This weekend was my anniversary and we went to SeaWorld and it was so hot, but it was really fun. So we got in the car and I was like, oh, I'm going to have a headache because I was just sweating profusely. It was really gross. So I took some ibuprofen and then I remembered way too late that I hadn't eaten all day. So, you know how ibuprofen just tears up your stomach. So I was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And we're like walking down the river walk. And he's like, where do you want to eat? I'm like, I don't fucking care. I just need food. <laughs> and then by the time I got to Hard Rock Cafe, I was like, I got to go throw up. And then I vomited all over the bathroom. So that was fun. So I don't feel bad, Natalie. <laughs> Yay, anniversary. <laughs> yeah, it was so romantic. And then I felt great. And then I got drunk. So it was fun. But yeah, yeah. I got really sick. <laughs> I hated throwing up last week because it was like all cough drop. Oh, yeah, yeah that's not great. That, that Vicks kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, because if I didn't, if I didn't have, oh, I'm like gagging now. Like, think about it. Oh, God. <laughs> My throat was hurting so bad where I was putting them in every 45 minutes. Like, as soon as one was almost done, I put out another one. And I was like, oh, oh, oh like barely. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a struggle every time as time progressed later in the day. So by the time we were recording that night, yeah, it hit hard. 
I don't think you're supposed to have one every 45 minutes, though. I think that's why you threw up. It's like, don't have more than, like, two every 20. I don't know. I just think you might have had a little bit too much. It was a combination of that and then, like, just grossness and phlegm and stuff. (laughs) So bad. Oh, man. Please don't turn off the episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so sorry. Gagging. Oh, gosh. We got lady bits coming, we promise. Well, anyway, how was your week, Luciana? Really good. Past weekend, I was at Hyenas in Plano, and it was a phenomenal weekend. Great crowds, really good energy. People bought a lot of my merch. It was awesome. That yeah. is awesome. And at first, the crowds were a little weird. Maybe Plano, the city of Plano and surrounding area weren't didn't know how to act around, you know, just kind of a weird vibe. But now, they're just awesome. I mean, they're on point. Just really good crowds. And then this weekend, I'll be in downtown Fort Worth at that Hyenas in Sundance Square, if anyone's listening because I don't know when it's theirs. Oh, actually, this will air after that. So you missed it. I was off. <laughs> oh, but if they listened to last week, they'll know about it. Yeah, yeah. Too, so. A lot of time traveling on this episode. Yeah, you should have paid attention. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. Anyway, how Natalie? How Natalie? Natalie. Oh, Natalie. <laughs> oh God. So how was your week after you recuperated from your near-death experience on the podcast? <laughs> I get stronger every day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You're trooper there. One fun thing about my week, though, is I, like, I have Weight Watchers on Tuesdays, and the group I go to is really funny, and they're almost all old people, like, 45 and up, and most of them are actually in their 70s, and they're just all characters. Like, one guy is a retired detective. Oh, wow. Um, One's a golfer. The other one travels. I have a lesbian lady that apparently went through a drive-thru on her bicycle. <laughs> um, but it just amused me tonight. Like, I just got done with the meeting. And it's like fat church, I have decided. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that's just how they have the, the chairs or, like, pews. Everyone sits in their spots. And the lady's like, why do we come to the meetings? I'm like, oh, my God, this is fat church. I don't know what I've signed up for. Well, I just yeah. pass around... You know, the the, the the sip and the, the snack. Usually at Catholic Church, we get a little bread wine. You guys get anything? No. If like we did, a- it'd probably be like a carrot. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the not fat. <laughs> oh, a Southern Baptist got grape juice. Then you get real wine. Yeah, no, growing up at Catholic in Texas, and you go over to, up for your first little little sip of the thing i don't know what it's called i don't go to church anymore but it's real it's real alcohol as a kid <laughs> you don't know that you just like and you and they give it to you and then you're spitting it back up and they get mad at you because you're a kid drinking alcohol and you should know better like like come on mm-hmm. Anyways. my sister is converting to judaism mm-hmm. and she goes on shabbat and she says that when you walk in it's just a whole table of wine and then their bread the challah bread i think and then water and stuff she's like yeah it's a whole table of wine it's like well that sounds fun she's really into it and the more she talks about it i was like hmm (laughs) it sounds really cool it's very Mm. progressive and i really enjoy it so steve wink has like (laughs) kosher wine well they have vegan wine i know i saw somebody ask me about vegan did we ever talk last episode about how you're gonna marry us i do not think we did i was thinking about that no (laughs) Yeah, so if people um, don't know this, Kina lost a bet and asked <laughs> to marry me and my fiancé 
Brie. Yeah. And I'm very excited because um, we're not doing a typical, it's not a typical wedding in the sense that, you know, it's not very, where you like exchange religious vows, which is, that's cool with you, but not with us. You know, we just like, we just want more freestyling it. And so she's got free range to crack jokes on stage. Heck you know, yeah. Yeah, my, my vows were so short and sweet. <laughs> They're just very, like, mostly, like, respect and care about each other. The end. That was it. I didn't even remember what we said. I had to look it up later. <laughs> I made, like, an art piece out of it, but I was like, I don't know what her vows were. I knew there was no Jesus in it, but I didn't remember what anything else was. But it's fun. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited, too. I'll be able to officiate anybody. But was uh, that another uh, side hustle? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Oh my gosh, add that to the wine thing. Like, hey, also, if you want to use our podcast, <laughs> I'll, I'll marry you and you can get wine for $22. You're looking to get hitched. Yes. We could live podcast your wedding <laughs> while we're there. That'd be amazing. TM. <laughs> Trademarking that. <laughs> All right, guys, we keep talking about it. So let's just have a word from our sponsor. Soup. Kina, what are you drinking? Oh my god, guys, I'm so excited. I am drinking Outer Sounds by Wink Wine Club. It is a Sauvignon Blanc. It's really good. Because that little quiz thingy told me I should try this. And it was right. You did the quiz, right, Natalie? Yeah, and that one is on my list, too. So I can't wait to get it to try it. That and, like, the Diviner one and the Rosa Obscura, the red blend. Mm-hmm. I like sweet and I like salt, so I'm pretty sure these wines are going to work. I'm going to try anything, so I'm super excited to try these. really like taking quizzes, but I also like that it was, how much salt do you like? Do you like sweet stuff? Hmm. I did like how they asked. They're like, do you put the salt on everything? Or <laughs> And I was like, I pretty much put it on everything. Oh, it was so fun. I really enjoyed it because I, I drink wine. I just don't think I've ever quite known what my tastes were. So thank you for telling me, Pink Wine, what my tastes are because you are correct. <laughs> I'm interested in taking that quiz because I think I know what kind of wine I like. So based on how I do on the quiz, I'm interested to see what it says. That's really cool. It's only like six questions or something. It really wasn't very long or too time consuming. You just pick what flavors you like. It was really easy. Yeah, and it changes all the time. So it's seasonal and it'll be different every time you go in there. I'm so excited. I learned because it sends you a little booklet and they do all their own wine. So it's their own vineyards and their own specialists that are constantly changing up the wine. So it's all their label. You can't find it anywhere else. I feel really bougie right now. very excited but guys right now wink is offering our lovely listeners 22 dollars off your first order when you go to trywink.com slash historical af and you guys it gets even better because i mean if you're like me you hate paying for shipping so wink is gonna actually pay for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more so if you do the subscription box like me and natalie did you get four bottles and they just continuously ship them to you but if you want to cancel any month, you can. If you want to pause any month, you can. Take the uh, wine shopping off your to-do list and go to trywink.com slash historical AF to get $22 off your first order. That's trywink.com slash historical AF. Nice. It's a really good deal. These bottles, they're not super expensive. It's very reasonable. 
I am a frugal person and I would pay <laughs> for this, okay? Yeah, I'm with this excited. coupon, it's four bottles of really legit high quality wine for under 40 bucks. And you can't get that anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped. Oh, man. All right. I'm sweating already. Okay, that's a good side. Do we want to jump into it? Let's do it. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I'll go. I'll I'll be honest. One of my stories is not funny. (laughs) I have morbid this week, so it's really morbid. We got you back. Just need some funny to go after it. So maybe I'll go second with the morbid, and then we can lighten it up with the next. Okay, okay. Oh, it's dark. Oh, it's stretching. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> Already stretching, warmed up. All right, we're good. Mine was spooky, and I'm not gonna lie, I could not find anything spooky. <laughs> I mean, no like, haunted deal... bras anywhere. No, not really. I mean, the only thing that is creepy to me, like legit creepy, is the wandering womb, which we've already covered, and that's where your womb is up in your chest cavity, unless you have a baby, apparently. So they encouraged hysterical women to keep having children, basically. But I did find creepy facts that the body does that, in sense, would creep. It just creepy, spooky, I guess, and gross. And this isn't just women, so I'm sorry. This is a little bit of everybody. All right, we're doing my lovely list. <laughs> All right, did you know blood squirts 30 feet across the room? I From what? <laughs> your heart. That's how hard your heart pumps your blood. I'm like, well, good job, Dexter. I think you actually covered it. Then, like, someone did their research because blood, like, that's how hard your heart pumps. So when you get sliced, especially like in the jugular or somewhere extreme, and it spews blood, that's not just the movie effect. It can shoot 30 feet. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So that kind of blows my mm-hmm. mind. That's a long way. Just real quick uh, before you go on, I was, I guess, I'm, I thought I lost track of what you were saying because I was like, from where? <laughs> like you were like it shoots thirty feet. I'm like, well, this is news to me. I didn't know. Oh, oh the lady bits. This is the lady bits episode. But I was just like, wait, what? I, anyways, I'm sorry. That is a gross superpower. I do not want. <laughs> I can just no, imagine some, like, some lady with her monthly rage, and she's like, this, and then it's thirty <laughs> feet. You're shot into the wall. <laughs> like talk about heavy flow. You know? <laughs> Ant is in town. (laughs) Uh, It sounds like something I'd be on, like, on Robot Chicken. Like, one of the cartoons. Uh, Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you, Marciano. (laughs) Another fun fact. Mites live in your eyelashes. Yeah. I heard about Um, them. Thanks. I hate that. No, thanks. Just all the time? Or just if you have Just on weekends. Just on weekends. Just on weekends. They got busy weeks, you know, work, family, but they, on the weekends, they man. They need a place to crash when they're not clubbing, basically. Oh my god, did you see that news article where the lady had bees living in her tear ducts and they were surviving off of her tears? I am fucking traumatized. Was she <laughs> no, paralyzed? How do you not run from that? How do you not know? I oh I can't. Oh Does I she not it. own mirrors or hands or I guess they were like way down in there. I don't know how they got in there. I just Oh, they never came out. They're just always in there. Yeah, just always in there. Oh, I thought they were coming out of her face. Like, like, (laughs) oh, "Oh, I don't know. Like, okay. I just had a vision of X-Files and all the bees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those people that have shit living in their ears. And they're like, it just feels weird. And then they go to the doctor and they pull out like a beetle or something. I'm like, I 
I just want to, like, there's people that sleep with pantyhose on their head, and the more things I read like that, I'm like, they're the smart ones. <laughs> <laughs> I watch those YouTube videos of those ear things. I'm like, oh, how do they get that out? I'm like, like Dr. Pimple, when I get it, I'm like, oh, get it, oh, get it. No. Oh, no. Actually, for me, it's like a cleansing. I'm like, like I'm watching it, I'm like, just get it. Oh, got it. Okay, good. I don't well, know. Some of them are very explodey. I just don't know about it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. There's actually a thing called hex- exploding head syndrome. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and that is when you're actually inside your head, you f- you hear like a bomb going off right before you fall asleep. And you die? Oh, that you don't not- die. It doesn't. It's not harmful. It's just deafening. And it, it just feels like it's, it's inside your head. It just, you hear an explosion. And it's always right before you go to sleep. Okay, that's way better than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like people that spontaneously combust, but yeah. just part of the spooky <laughs> magic. Oh. No, thanks. Here's a cute one. When you blush, so does your stomach lining. Huh. <laughs> you I lose think... half your taste buds by the time you're age 60. I'm looking forward thanks. to that, I guess. Mm. So when I moved to Texas, we've been trying all the Texas tacos, and then we had the lingua. Is that how you say it? Lingua, lingua. tacos. Yeah, Lingua. And, oh, it's one of the best. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was good, but we had it one other time, and the taste buds were still on it, and it's like the texture. I could not get past the taste buds, and it was a little, eh. It wasn't Ooh. good for where we no. went there. Yeah, the first time, it was really good. You couldn't tell, but yeah. We're really obsessed with barbacoa, but I like to not think about what barbacoa is. Good. It's so good, so but good. I don't want to think about cheeks. I don't, uh. Real quick, barbacoa, on the weekends, you know, we go to her on our uncle's houses, and we'd have a head, and we're just like, mm-hmm. just kind of scraping it. Uh, like, you go around, you scrape it off, put it on your plate, and move on. But it was a skull. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Deke's going to want to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't. The will just sell you the head with the meat ready to go. We saw at the, the German restaurant in New Braunfels, you can buy a giant head. But oh. yeah, he's down. He's like, next time we have enough people here, we're going to get a whole head. Like, okay. <laughs> oh. Anyway, moving on. Okay. I googled images if you want to see. <laughs> of course she did. Yeah. I like to have a disconnect between what I'm eating. Like, if I know the animal, I can't eat it. And so when we had chickens, like, we should eat one. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it because I know them. I just, I can't. Well, when I was a kid, we had a cow. And I used to go out there and, like, pet her every day and, like, hand feed her. And I came home from school one day and I was like, where's my cow? And I came inside I was like, what's for dinner? And my sister was like, we're having Rosie Burgers. And I was traumatized for a really long time. Oh, no. Yeah. And that's a big-ass cow. You know how many years she was in the freezer? I couldn't. I, I had to give up on my, like, strike of eating Rosie because I would have just starved. People funny. don't start listening right at that part. <laughs> I hate my best friend. <laughs> Rosie. So good. Rosie Burgers. She was in the freezer for years. Yeah. Yeah. True. Part of my deep, dark childhood history that I have to have therapy about. Thanks, Mom. Okay, moving on. Well, speaking of tears and stuff, apparently each tear of emotion has a different composition. So when you're angry and pain or sad because Rosie's in the freezer, <laughs> each tear actually scientifically is different, has different what? composition. It's really wow. interesting. That is really interesting. <laughs> I feel like that, I can't tell that's sincere or like a lie. No, it <laughs> no. is. Like, huh. That's but it, no. I just, yeah, I thought it was so, cool. So, you know, I'll, if it's interesting, I'll say that's interesting. And if it's not, I'll be like, that's stupid. Okay, good. Don't just so you know, just stupid. so you can be a clear line between what's cool and what's not. So. Okay. 
Humans are actually bioluminescent. We actually do glow, but what? just not enough for the human eye. So, so no, we don't glow? We do, just not enough for us to really see it, though. I guess animals or people with better eyes Man. pick it up. And it made me think about black lights, because, like, our teeth and eyes and stuff. Oh, and I feel like yeah. people actually do glow with black lights, so. I'm like, it's oh, like, it actually kind of makes sense. Like Avatar, and he turns off the fire, and then everything. Yeah. <laughs> if only. Damn. You can be your own nightlight. So what you're saying is that you're in the dark, and there's, like, a monster or a large animal that wants to eat you. You're going to glow. So even though it's dark, you're not going to hide very well. No, that's when you have to pull a predator and you like cover in mud. Mud. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. (laughs) When a woman is pregnant, her brain actually shrinks. And six months after the baby, it's normal. So after you have a baby, it takes six months for it to grow back to size. The term pregnancy brain comes from? I think so. I hope so. That's what it is. When I read that, that makes so much more sense now. I've, huh. I've heard that women just kind of forget, just to become, they just become forgetful. Yeah, that's really cool. I knew I took evolutionary psychology in college, and it's really interesting. Your brain chemistry changes when you have a kid. So that's why people that are like, I never want kids, I hate kids. As soon as they have a kid, they're like, okay, I like kids. Because your brain chemistry changes so that you like your kid. Most of the time. There's some people Most that don't. Yeah. But it also changes more with men because women know the baby's theirs, but men, there's never 100% that you know. So evolutionary-wise, men are more connected to the child so that they don't leave. Huh. What? What? I know. It's like, all right. (laughs) That's also why people think babies look more like the dad in the beginning, because that also convinces the dad to stay. It was a really cool class. It's like the only thing I remember from my entire psych degree. But (laughs) (laughs) Was Maury the professor? Sounds like Maury was the professor. Um, Just a few more short things, and that is last episode I looked up funny names for vagina. I then now looked up historical names. <laughs> if you watched or listened to the last episode, we're going to ding those bells again for lady bits. Uh, and every time we ding them, you don't have to, but you could take a sip of your alcoholic beverage. Yeah. And let, let the fun begin. Please. Survived last week. Yeah. High five. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, lost down at like seventy five. I was tally, and it was like oh, it was hilarious. Bad. I love this thing. <laughs> or maybe let's go back and forth between alcohol and water. Like let's yeah, let's keep you oh, healthy, yeah. keep you safe. Yeah. yeah, tiny sip, just a little, just a little. Guy. <laughs> the person had dates by this. I'm not sure if the date is exactly like the first recording of the name or not, but I'm just kind of going to roll with it. Cunt is number one. <laughs> And that's mm-hmm. in the 1200s. <laughs> I need to know what the first thing it was written in. Was it like an illuminated manuscript? <laughs> or like... it, it didn't say, but I'm curious as well. <laughs> uh, I love purse. letter. <laughs> oh, what was it? Purse. Oh, yeah. Oh, when was that? 1538. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how purse. Like, I'm thinking coin purse, and I'm like, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> even worse yeah i love this one it's uh 1600 chapel of ease oh i do like that one that is lovely <laughs> i love loose on of space that sounds like some grandma like, yeah, that checks out that. he's like what 
you know, it makes me think of like the delicate flower. It's this the chapel, yeah. and, and you just, your body's the temple. Like that's the chapel of ease. That's the gateway, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Gross. Gates of hell. Is that one of them? No, but I'm sure if it's like a crazy bitch, maybe. <laughs> 1638 tinderbox. Oh. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that one. <laughs> Lit. Oh, that was lame. Sorry. Because it's a. It's a <laughs> what? What is an actual changing. tinderbox? I mean, maybe I'm not envisioning the right thing, but what is a tinderbox? The thing that I don't know. We I had a fireplace and we had tinder, and to help would burn easier. I don't know. We are googling. I see Luciano and Kina with their phones. Who's gonna be fast? Who's gonna be quickest to it? Go 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 go! Bam! Damn it! Oh, Luciano wins. What is it? Um. I just see images. Yeah, it's just, um... Oh, tinderbox. Oh. It's one, it's like the pipe. The thing in that causes the fire in the pipe. That's one of them. Oh, May, oh, oh it contains flint or fire steel. So it's, to kindle okay. a fire. Okay. Yeah. We're going to say it's a tie. He was first to pictures. You were first to the explanation. <laughs> the, the penis goes in there. <laughs> there, folks. Penis in there. For the and, then, of this. and then it, stuff comes out this way. Okay. Gross. <laughs> the first fleshlight, I think. That's what oh, that is. Extra oh gross. Alright, 1699. Pussy. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, too bad it's not 1669 or something like oh, that. Oh, I know. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been way better. 1768. Bookbinder's wife. Shout out to the librarians. Yeah. Bookbinder's wife. I have no idea what it means, but I like it. <laughs> That was the catchphrase in this article. It's like, what does this mean? And like, all oh, the caps and everything. There has to be some story behind it. I need to know. Uh, email us at historical. I mean, are, they saying, are they saying the vagina is like a book? And then the male is a binder? Binders twice. It's a woman. And the woman, it's it's holding something tightly. I don't know. I don't oh, know. oh, tight. Oh. Wait, I don't know. I have no idea. It was like in that it, era, a book binder binding was just the binding of the book. It wouldn't be like a school binder. So maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this next one I think will be another favorite from 1823. Jack Nasty Face. Oh yes. <laughs> I want to meet the man they named this after. If that's Jack. Oh, huh. Jack Nasty Face. I am at a loss. Gross. Jack <laughs> a lantern? I don't know. I don't know either. Grasping at straws here. 1888, cock tap. Oh, I, yeah, that would make sense. Yep. I feel like that's something one of our founding fathers might have said as an insult. I don't know why. Oh, probably. Feels, feels like Just that. about everything's an insult somehow or one way or another. Is that like your... Mom smells of elderberries. What is that saying? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like like... <laughs> so if I know what that is, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> 1941. Foot. F-U-T-Z. Hmm. Foot. 40s, huh? That's interesting. That was stupid. <laughs> or two is brewing, but you got to come up with a new name for a vagina. I see. In the 1980s, there's two... Glamity and Love Glove. <laughs> I like Love Glove. I like Love Glove, dear. 
2001, Breakfast of Champions. Oh, oh, oh. I see you, 2000s. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is Love Taco. Oh, that so makes sense. we use now in the modern days. But yeah, <laughs> cunt. Cunt is the beginning of it. Man. Oh. <sighs> coincidence that a lot of like the words that you use as an insult to people are also the words of vagina I don't think it's coincidence I think I mean we know history and how women are perceived don't be a pussy you know Uh, don't be a weekly don't be a girl that's true I have been desensitized from it because I watched a lot of like Australian and BBC stuff yeah Mm -hmm. yeah they use that like and it's like damn, you know. It's yeah. like it's not their worst word. It's, it's whatever. So to me, I, I almost find it funny of how sensitive people are about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like it really is just a word. If you want to put the power into it to be offended or to feel bad, then that's on you. I mean, yeah. if someone's using it negatively, then yes. But don't. I mean, don't hate the word. Hate how they're using it. True. I hate the player. Hate the game. Exactly. <laughs> well, the same people get mad about fuck, but I'm like, fuck is literally the best word in the world. It can be everything a noun, an adjective, a verb, whatever you want. It's there for you. <sighs> I get a negative I like that. Review. It's there for you. It's like, there for you when you need it. <laughs> it's like a political campaign. <laughs> that, yes, I will stand behind it. But I always see all these podcasts that get all these one-star reviews for saying fuck too much. And I'm like, our time is coming, but I stand by it. It's a good word. <laughs> it's literally in the title, like as best as it can be. How can you be shocked at this point? <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad we had a good laugh because it's about to die with my story. All right. Yeah, I think we're prepared for your morbidness. Rip the band-aid off here. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Oh, pretty funny though. Sometimes the morbids are pretty funny. Just uh, well, buckle up here, let's go. Yeah, this one got me. Sometimes these really make me depressed when I'm researching. But you know, it's been a while since we've done like a murder, so I thought it was time since we have a comedian. So be funny, funny man. Yes. Just gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> I got a lot of this information from the Chicago Tribune a site called All Things Interesting Ranker and Murderpedia, which, holy shit, Murderpedia, they did not sugarcoat any of this, because the murders are quite graphic and horrific, and ugh. anyway, so the story is about the Ripper crew, or the Chicago Rippers. Have you heard of them? It sounds vaguely familiar, but I, d- I know no details. I Surprisingly, I don't think I have ever heard of these, which... After you hear about it, you'll wonder, how did you not hear about this? But they were a satanic cult and a organized crime group composed of a ringleader named Robin Getcht. And I'm going to butcher their names, but I don't give a shit because they're murderers. So fuck them. And then he had three associates named Edward Spritzer and Andrew and Thomas Kokorolists. I don't know. Like I said, don't care. And the last two were actually brothers. So, together they were suspected in the kidnapping, assault, and torture of 18 women in Chicago, Illinois in the early 1980s. Yikes. <laughs> they were part of a much larger movement in the 1980s known as the Satanic Panic. 
America was experiencing a wave of fear surrounding anything occult. And although most of these scares were actually false, this one was really real. And I know Natalie and I, being from Arkansas, the satanic panic was huge there. So if you know the mm-hmm. West Memphis three, uh, but a lot of them were not real. But I will say the satanic panic sounds like a cool band name. It does. It probably is. <laughs> if not, it's a missed opportunity, honestly. The closest I got to feeling the satanic panic was when my mom told me not to watch The Simpsons because she heard it had to do with the devil. Yeah. That's the closest I got to that. Around what time forgot. was this again? Oh, what now? What time was this again? Sorry. Uh, 1980s, like 81 and 82. Oh, I was born in 91, so this is a little before my time. <laughs> <laughs> But I did grow up in a small town that is very heavily churchy, though, and they were like anti anything. Yeah. Yeah. Good people, but just super strict about themselves. Anyways, go on. I'm sorry. All right. So, Gecht, and I'm probably, like I said, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I don't care. And his gang allegedly drove around in a van looking for prostitutes to sacrifice in his apartment where he had built a makeshift satanic temple in his attic. That dude lost a security deposit for sure. Yes. According to police reports, the room was lit only by candles and contained an altar draped with a red cloth, and the walls were painted with six red and black crosses. So, yes, definitely lost that deposit. <laughs> They were targeting sex workers, although all their victims didn't fit that description. Some abductions happened on busy streets in the middle of the day, where the men just quickly pulled over, grabbed the victims, dragged them into the van. Uh, They took anybody that they could find, as long as she was alone and looked vulnerable. Age didn't matter to them, but sources stated that the ringleader said there should be only one requirement, and that's that they should have large breasts. So, that is how this fits into this theme. Mm. So it's going to get really bad here. (laughs) But this is why they call them the Rippers, because the whole prostitute thing, they were seeing the similarities between Jack the Ripper because he targeted prostitutes. All right. So the attic was the scene of the murders. The ringleader would stand over the victims and his three followers would read passages from the Satanic Bible. While he read, his comrades would rape and torture the victim. After the body had been mutilated, they would cut off and... Oh, God. They would cut off their left breast, and they would sever it into many pieces, and then he would hand it to their followers. But they would also do a lot of sexual terrible, terrible things that I don't think I could physically repeat. So if you really want to know exactly what they did, it's on all the sources I'll have on the website. But I'm a wimp, and I can't say it. Anyway. So after the body had been mutilated, they would cut the breast into pieces and he would hand each of them to his followers. They would eat the flesh as a satanic religious sacrament, which I did not realize when we were talking about the sacrament earlier in this story that this tied in. But holy shit, it did. I feel nauseous now. Okay. Yeah, way to ruin the mood. (laughs) I'm trying really hard. Uh, Oh, God, yeah, it's really Like, I'm really attached to my breasticles. Um, Um, I'm, I'm... like, this is the one time I think I might have been kidnapped. Yeah. Normally, I'm like, that's a skinny bitch. She's easy to take. I'm like, <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, no, there's like big boobs. I'm well gifted in that area. So it's like, damn, that's one that I might have gotten kidnapped on. Man. Wait, there's more. It gets worse. Of okay. course. But before I get into really bad stuff, I've said it before that I really feel it's really important to talk about the victims. Say their names mm-hmm. and not the murderers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through all the victims. 
First victim was 28-year-old Linda Sutton, who was abducted on May 23, 1981. She was found 10 days later in a field in Vila Park, Illinois, and it was almost a year before the gang struck again. On May 15, 1982, they abducted Lorraine Borowski, just as she was about to open the realtor's office that she worked in. Her body was discovered five months later in a cemetery in Clarendon Hills. Which is also kind of scary because I know these areas because my sister lived there in the 80s. I was like, oh, goddamn. <laughs> On May 29th, they abducted Schumach from Hanover Park, a village northwest of Vila Park. Her body was not found for four months. Two weeks later, they abduct- or after they abducted Mac, they picked up Angel York in their van, handcuffed her, and slashed her breast before throwing her out of the van, still alive. York's description of her attacker sadly didn't produce any leads. So, this is even worse. She was alive when they did that to her. I cannot mm. even imagine. A lot of them, they were dead when they cut off their breasts, but she was alive. And to survive? Yeah. To, uh, to survive with that trauma. I know. I just, I don't, I, I can't even comprehend how terrible that must be. So, they didn't strike again for another two months. On August 28th, 1982, the body of Sandra Delaware was discovered on the bank of the Chicago River. On September 8th, 31-year-old Rose Davis was found in an alley, having suffered almost identical injuries to Delaware. A month later, the gang committed their last crime. Their victim, Beverly Washington, was found by a railroad track on December 6th, which is the only time I will not say, whew, my birthday. Okay, which I guess I kind of did. But anyway, (laughs) in in addition to the other injuries, her left breast had been amputated and her right breast was severely slashed. So this kind of shows that it was escalating which most of the time serial killers and stuff do. She survived the attack, and she was able to give accurate descriptions of her attackers and the van that they had used to abduct her. So the last woman, the last victim, she was the one that got them caught. So That's good, at least. Yes. I'm just very thankful that they were caught. So the get guy was the first to be arrested. He had to be released, though, because police had little evidence connecting him to the crimes. God damn it. But after further investigation, the police discovered that in 1981, he had rented a room in a motel along with three of his friends, the other gang douche bags. And they all had adjoining rooms. The hotel manager said that they had held loud parties, appeared to be involved in some kind of cult. Which, I wonder what kind of party where they were like, that's definitely cult. What, what were they doing? But after that, they were able to go after the gang. Although he was widely known as the leader of the Ripper crew, authorities never could convict him. (sighs) This is really depressing. They never convicted him of any of the group's murders due to a lack of evidence. Of the four men, he was the only one to maintain his innocence and refuse to give any information to the police, which is why he was not charged like the other ones. Which, complete sociopath to be able to do this and completely be dissociated and be I didn't do that. But Beverly Washington survived, like we said. So she was able to give testimony that ensured he went to prison. He received a sentence of 120 years for the rape and mutilation of her, but he will be eligible for parole in 2042. But Lord willing, he'll be dead by then. So Authorities were only able to pin one of the murderers uh, committed by the Ripper crew on Thomas Cocorales, I don't know how to say it. And that was 21-year-old Lorraine Borowski that we talked about. He received a sentence of 70 years in prison with day-for-day credit for good behavior. He had originally received a life sentence, but took a plea deal after the required trial. 
So he was the only one that completely admitted it and threw everybody else under the bus. He was the first to confess that he and the others had taken the women back to Gek's place where they committed the horrific acts and he went into detail what they did. After 35 years, he was eligible for parole in September of 2017, but he hadn't yet secured an approved place to live, so that didn't really work out. But as early as 2018, his release was imminent despite public protest. And the victim's families and the community, everybody signed petitions. And they even got Gloria Allred involved to join the fight to keep him in jail. But unfortunately, he was released on parole in the morning of March 29, 2019. And as of June 30th, 2019, he lives in Aurora, Illinois, which if anybody out there lives in Aurora and you want to stay away from this fucking asshole, they have his address online. So you know where he is. I just didn't want to blast it in case I got like sued for defamation or something. Anyway, the Andrew guy was the last person to be executed in Illinois by lethal injection. Yay, fuck that guy. Anyway, according to his brother, Andrew decided to re-embrace his non-satanic faith before his death. And he kept saying, we'll see you again up in heaven. No, you won't. You will not. In 2000, then-Illinois Governor George Ryan placed a 10-year moratorium on executions. In 2011, the state ruled it would no longer be using the death penalty. Though Illinois is considering bringing it back for involving cases of mass murder and killing a police officer... They have not had an execution since. So for the fourth Ripper crew member, Edward, this ruling meant that his sentence was changed from death by lethal injection to life without parole last minute. So the one dude died and then he was up to die and they were like, never mind, no more lethal injections. So now he's in jail for life. Though they committed the atrocious crimes, the Ripper crew didn't immediately strike the public as murderers, which is usually the case. They were happily married. Most of them had children. They had steady jobs. And this is just further proof you can't fucking trust anybody. But anyway, this is the one thing that I thought was really interesting. In hindsight, there might have been one red flag. Get the ringleader, worked in construction outside of Chicago, and his boss was John fucking Wayne Gacy. Oh. Right? What are the chances that two murderers work together in construction? Jesus fucking Christ. Anyway, that's my segment. I did it really fast so that we could be over it. Because you're right, it's very intense. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I am taking away from this is the person who's going to be marrying us says, You can't trust nobody! After, (laughs) uh, that's my favorite part. Now I'm gonna drink more now. Imagine their kids, too. Knowing that their dad's I can't even I always wonder about that. Families that have some sort of tragedy or something. And, like, how do you get past that? Especially if you... I know some people change their names and everything, but when you're attached to something like that, Mm. it's just crazy. Well, I know a lot of them end up changing their names or moving out of the country because they cannot deal with it. It's Mm -hmm. just too much. And then I think about that poor survivor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I guess two survivors. Two the survivors, last one. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Oh man, I'm blanking. What's his name? Oh shit. Oh god, the serial killer that had the beetle, and he would like charm ladies to murder them. Yeah, what, Zach Efron played him in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep on to call Bundy's- him Dahmer. Bundy. Yeah, Ted Bundy's daughter ended up doing that. She changed her name and moved to Europe, I think. And nobody was- knows who she is or where she's at. Especially like, Ted Bundy, like those super famous 
ones. Yeah. I can't even. I can't. I'm watching um, Masterminds, and so that's oh, really yeah. what you're talking about and stuff. My question to you was, I can hear what their names, but I was like, that gang, was it mostly white guys? Oh, yeah, all of them. Yeah, those names yeah. were very, I don't know, Polish or East European, I don't know. Yeah, well, Chicago is very Polish-centered. German, Polish, there's a lot of people there. My sister's family, or we're half-sisters, uh, her whole family was Polish and German. So that's why it's like all these suburbs, I know them because my sister lived really close to them. So it's really scary. I mentioned it before, but my dad lived on the same street as Gacy and like remembered him driving by in the clown costume and the van and stuff. So every time I talk about Gacy, I just think how close my dad, but my dad was deaf and they didn't know he was deaf until he was older. So I'm sure even if he was behind me, like, Hey, little boy, my dad would be like, do, do, do. He didn't hear anything, but uh, yeah, I know. I think I mentioned both my parents have had a run in with a serial killer. I'm like, it is a miracle that I'm here. I am here for a reason. Hallelujah. That's to drink, drink wine, wine and, and podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm here to drink and rant about aliens. Woo! Woo. I know shit. <laughs> drinking it. Oh, every Luciana got me a shirt. It says I drink and I know things from Game <laughs> of Thrones. And every time I wear it, I get stopped at like 50 times by people. Let me read your shirt. Oh, it's really badass. Like, I know it is. So, yeah. It's great when I'm like at the gym and I'm gross. I'm like, please stop looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what do you got? Let's bring it back up, Natalie. <laughs> okay. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. All right. My next theme is just classic historical fact. And it's about dueling. Ooh, like, did like you that. know that there are women duelers? What? I did not. Uh, I'm going to just talk about one specific duel, though, even though there were several in history. So it is in austria it's 1892 between princess pauline von metternich Nietzsche, and countess anastasia not even trying the last name of anastasia <laughs> it looks like it's six syllables long anyways this princess and the countess princess pauline was in her 50s at the time and the countess was probably it didn't give a specific age but it said that she it could be her daughter so i'm imagining probably in her 30s or 20s mm-hmm. and there was already some tension between the two of them because they both were noble women and shared some of the same social groups and basically the countess was gearing up to take the princess's job in society and everything so there was already some rivalry going on here but what actually started the duel was flower arrangements Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is the uh, most 19th century reason for a duel. <laughs> it's like, bitch, these flowers are terrible. And we're gonna have to we have to shut this down now. <laughs> <laughs> like that centerpiece is trash. <laughs> this is like some classic Victorian white trashness going on right now. <laughs> oh god, I love it. Oh, it gets better. Oh yes. so it's known, it's actually a very famous duel. It's known as the Emancipated Duel. Baroness Lubinska, Lubinska had a medical degree, so she was their medic, and all of their witnesses that they invited were actually all women. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So I read a couple of articles on this just to make sure 
you know, what facts were correct. So the endings are a little bit different. So we'll get to that. But one talked about, especially like pro women with it, like, oh, it was an all women duel, the medic, the witnesses, the people who did it, which is kind of cool. But I'm like, I don't think that's what they were going for back then. (laughs) While this other author was like, shit got real. Like there was words in it. And I'm like, (laughs) yes. Both are fine articles, but I enjoyed the other one. I will send you links to both of them, and you can yes. make your decision. So the duel was actually just first blood. It wasn't for the death. I mean, the fire arrangements were terrible, but it wasn't, like, kill you terrible. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's just, like, we need to bleed on them a little bit, I guess. Oh. And here's the extra fun tidbit. The Baroness, the medic, suggested that they fight topless. Whoa. (laughs) It makes sense. It makes sense. Thank you, Luciano. I'm pretty sure you might appreciate that. (laughs) Was that their idea, or is it just like some dude on the sideline be like, take your shirt off? (laughs) (laughs) Bring in the mud. Shirts versus skins, but no (laughs) shit. Tit versus tit. Oh. It's to make sure no one had a secret weapon or something hidden you know, anywhere. But like, we gotta make sure we. Yeah, clean. nothing hiding under the boobs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Checks out. Yeah. Actually, it does. I mean, I think about how many people like bring me their library card and they whip it out of their bra. Oh my and stuff. god! So you know what? It kind of does check out. Or money? Or money? Yeah. Money? Yes. Like when I uh, like. And that money in that library card, it is warm and it is wet. <laughs> And it is jangling because of the change I give them. So if you see a lady walking around jingling, they just paid their fines. <laughs> I, re- I, I refuse to take money once as a teller. She put money out and it was wet. I'm like, I'm not taking that. That's, <laughs> that's, a bio, that's like a biohazard thing. I don't know what that's been. I don't. Somebody got offended when I germixed my hands after they hand me this. And I'm like, you literally, it's 95 degrees outside. You're sweating. You pulled this out of your bra. And I have no idea when the last time you showered. I am definitely going to germex your hands. You're lucky I'm taking this from you right now. Also, it's the South. Humidity is at like 5,000%. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Gross. No. Like, you offend me, okay? Don't be offended (laughs) because I germex my hands. (laughs) Do they not have pockets? I'm not even a wallet, just a pocket. Overalls have pockets, pants have pockets. I mean... I guess in their defense, women's clothes usually don't have a pocket. Like, yes. what the fuck is up with women's clothes? Nothing has pockets. I'm always, like, really excited when I have pockets. And Zeke's like, why are you excited? I'm like, nothing has pockets. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the worst women have purses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, the, the guy's like, pocket? No, they have their own purse. Coin purse. Yeah. So. I don't do purses. <laughs> I'm one of those. I'm such a... <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about the vagina purse now. <laughs> yep. Well, I don't trust anybody. I got mugged in college, and since then, I don't have a purse. Like, I never have one, so I'm just shit out of luck. I thought I was going to get mugged once at a 7-Eleven bathroom. Let me explain. In the middle of the day, (laughs) and the bathroom, I was like, where's your bathroom? It's like over there. So it was like in the corner, back corner, by the Slurpee machine. And as (laughs) I walked by, I noticed a tall man and a short woman as I walked past him, I kind of quickly, peripherally, I have a really good peripheral, but I turned. I saw her do this to him. Mind you, she, he's tall, she's short, I, and I'm walking behind, like, pretend I'm walking back here, and I see her go, that. And I was like, 
well, as no, the door closes, you. I'm like, well, yeah, kind of like go, go, you know, like this towards me. And the door mm -hmm. closes because you have to go through a door. And then I'm in this like little closet area where the, you can see the, the back workings of the, the soda machine and the two bathrooms. So I go in the bathroom and I close and lock the door. And I'm like, I'm going to get mugged. You know, I'm going to get mugged because there's no cameras back here. It's in the back and there's a door. So no one can actually see back here. So I'm just like, I, I don't, the first thing I do is I put my keys in my hand like this. And then I don't know what else to do. So <laughs> then I start speaking really loudly. And I swear I, this is what I did. I was like, I can't remember exactly how it went, but something like, you better tell Ricardo if he doesn't have my money, I'm going to fucking kill him. Okay, I'm going to fucking kill him. And if, he doesn't, if I can't find him, I'm going to kill his family. He's next. No one no one does that. You know, I'm just like, writing stuff. yeah, I'm going to kick his ass. I'm going to be right there. Yeah, no, I just got a new gun. I'm going to try it on him, right, in the bathroom of 7-Eleven because I think there's a guy outside waiting to mug me. And so I just remember, okay, that didn't work. I'm screwed. So then I just remember having the keys in my hand, and I go to open the door, and as soon as I open the door, I just lunge, and there's no one there. There was no one there, but I just yelled <laughs> weird things. So, yeah. uh, I did that once, too. After I got mugged, I was really paranoid for a long time, and I was doing something, and some dude jumped out of a car, and it was, like, rolling, but it wasn't stopped yet, and he came up to me, and I was like, I will taste you till your fucking heart stops, and he's like, whoa, I just wanted your number. <laughs> it's nine one one, motherfucker. Yeah, like I don't have a taser, but I do that now. I'm just like, you back the fuck away from me. Yeah. No, yeah, I was really paranoid for a while. So then I got mace, and I was just like always pointing at people, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, yeah, struggles right, real. Back to topless women. Yeah, okay. topless women. <laughs> uh, the medic said for them to be topless because in Poland she had seen working on people. Like, if they got stabbed in the clothing, especially if people didn't wash very often oh. or wash their clothes as often, she she said, like, clothing can get inside the wound and, and start infection. Huh. So that was that was her goal. Take it up. Take it up. That's like a sleazy since, way on a date. Be like, listen, you should take it off. I don't want you to get an infection. I'm looking out for you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sent all the men away. So, like, the guards were actually standing farther away so that's why no men could see them it was it was all women and so they start oh, fighting they do a few rounds <laughs> <laughs> and anastasia nicked or the countess the countess nicked the princess's nose and this is where it kind of differs on the two articles on the more pro-woman side article she said she kept it very refined as in the countess nicked the princess's nose and she nicked the countess's arm. And then the princess was the winner and they hugged and everything was fine and shiny and happy and unicorns. No, don't like it. Too, too nice. The other one, <laughs> he said she stabbed her through the arm. And while the other one saying cut, so I'm not sure how severe the wound was. It was a stab <laughs> through the arm or just a cut. But after the, the countess was stabbed in the arm, called for help, and the guards came rushing in to help. <laughs> <laughs> and then the baroness, the medic, who suggested them to be topless, beats the guards saying that they're perverts. Yes! <laughs> With like an umbrella. <laughs> oh, the other one, 
it does not have that. Like I said, it was all hunky dory. They hugged it out. But this one says, no, 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 this bitch, this hoe called. <laughs> These innocent men were just coming to help her. And then they get beaten by an umbrella. Oh, 1,000%. I hope the second one's true. <laughs> I, I do, too. Oh, it's so funny. I do, too. And, and I just, I love how it was written. The other one was good, but like I said, it was very pro-women. I'm like, nah, back in that time, I kind of doubt this, but. Yeah, it's true. I think they were just pissed off about the flower arrangements. Oh, man, that was a good one, Natalie. Okay, so I hope that topless fighting women of flower arrangements brings everyone kind of back up from that morbidness. (laughs) Oh, man, yeah, I'm laughing again. We're good. We're all good. Okay. Oh, I can't go wrong with some dueling. <laughs> topless dueling. <laughs> and, and I looked for other recordings. That is the only one that's recorded topless. My coworker, David, is actually the one that told me about this yesterday. I'm like, well, I have to look this up. But he led me to believe that this was a thing. And it is not. It is actually not a thing. <laughs> and it's kind of like one of those myths, like George Washington's teeth was made out of wood or whatever. It's kind of like that. It's no, this wasn't a thing. It happened once. It just happened to be one of the most well-known women's duels. Uh, that should be an episode. The things in history people think are real but are not. Yes, <laughs> like, let's do it. Maria saying, "Let the meat cake." She never said that. <sighs> There's a funny meme that's her picture, the Vigila Barn one, and she's like, oh, "Imagine being famous for something you never said." Oh. <laughs> anyway, so my last one is random. Yay! I decided that I was going to do the most delightfully random stories I could find about boobs, a.k.a. kumquats, a.k.a. knockers, a.k.a. flotation devices. Are we doing this drinking game again? Oh, we are. We are. (laughs) All right. Number one, Florida man. You cannot go wrong with Florida man. I don't care what theme this is. It always goes well. So, in 1998, a Florida man sues a strip club claiming that an exotic dancer gave him whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't complain. You say thank you and you say you're right? welcome. Exactly. But I found this article and I could not have written this better. So, I'm going to read it word for word. It's entitled Classic Weird Florida. The breast hit me like concrete blocks. That's the name of this article. <laughs> And it's written by Elliot Kleinberg, and he's from the Palm Beach Post. This is so beautifully written. I'm just so proud. (laughs) All right. And I quote, The case of the bosom-bonked bachelor was finally settled on national television by a former New York mayor, but only after a pair of breasts became Exhibit B. (laughs) Paul Shimkonis, a 38-year-old physical therapist, had said he went to the Diamond Dolls Club in Clearwater in September of 1996, days before his wedding. (laughs) According to him, in his 1998 lawsuit, the guest of honor was requested by the star dancer to sit low in the chair, resting his neck to the back of the chair with his eyes closed to be specially entertained by the star dancer. Then, Tawny Peaks, which is such a good name for an exotic dancer. I'll prove it. I'll prove it. <laughs> says, who boasts a 60 double H bust. Holy shit. <laughs> Jumped up and slammed her ample bosom into his head, rocking it backwards. He says, I saw stars. It was like two cement blocks hit me. 
Simonk or Shimkanis, I'm saying that wrong, but you know, moving on, said he was too embarrassed to see a doctor for three months, and two years later, he was still in pain. So he decided to sue the club so he wouldn't have to pay his medical bills. Which, that's the natural reaction, right? Yeah, yeah I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> Days later, the two took their dispute to New York to a television program, The People's Court, before no. celebrity judge and <laughs> Ed Coach. <laughs> Oh, God. The judge instructed a court officer to take peeks into the chambers and examine her breasts. I'm not making this up. This is real. They were later estimated to weigh about two pounds each and were 20% silicone and the rest were natural. The judge later ruled against Trimconus. That's just the greatest story I've ever heard. At first, this? I thought, I was like, man, if you went to a strip club, you should know what happened. But no, it looks like, man, it sounded like he was. Definitely surprised by that move. <laughs> well, pal. Like some kind of weird wrestling movie wasn't. I mean, that's. <laughs> well, she told him to put his head on the chair so he wouldn't get whiplash. That's his own fault. Aww. He was instructed, I think. That's my opinion. Number two, because bras weren't yet invented, ancient Roman women would wrap bandages around themselves to keep their boobs in place while they worked out. The more you know, rainbow. <laughs> But I'm going to do a historical detour because I found this article and I thought it was really interesting. So it's from Wonders and Marvels and it was written by Elizabeth C. Goldsmith. And so it says that there's this Villa Romana de Cassel in Rome. And it's a site dating back to the 4th century that was once the residence of a high-ranking member of the Roman senatorial aristocracy. Oh, my God. He was an aristocrat. (laughs) (laughs) And he may have been governor of the region. It was rediscovered in the late 19th century after being buried in a mudslide that occurred sometime in the 1200s. So about the time that cut became a word. So like Pompeii and the volcano, this dirt and silt may had like a protective effect and it resulted in a perfectly preserved mosaics that covered the floors. And it made it the largest and best preserved display of ancient Roman mosaics in the world. So I'm going to paint you a picture now. There is a grand hallway, some 60 meters, but for us Americans, that's 196 feet. And it's covered with mosaics depicting Roman hunters in Africa trapping lions, elephants, rhinoceroses, and tigers, and loading them up on ships to bring them back to Rome for the Colosseum. So that's pretty cool. So have you ever watched the movie Dave? Yes, yes. The- Where they're like... They're touring the White House, and they're like, we're moving, we're walking, we're walking. That's how I feel like. We're going to walk through this house. So, we're walking to the bedrooms. There's a mosaic that depicts what they called a passionate mythological scene. I need to know which mythological characters are getting it on. I just need to know. So, (laughs) I need to dive into that. So, we're walking, and now we're in the bathrooms, where obviously there are sea monsters and fishing cupids. Naturally. And then, in the children's, it shows children riding chariots drawn by ostriches. I need this all in my house. Finally, we're moving (laughs) into what they think was a home gym, which brings me back to my point. So a gym is covered in mosaics of young women engaged in sports, receiving laurel crowns for winning competitions and just working out as bosses. The images were dubbed the Bikini Girls at first by scholars because the archaeologists in the 1950s didn't conceive the thought that women could be working out. So they thought they were in a beauty contest. (laughs) 
Because I fucking, of course they did. Jesus Christ. But they'd never seen girls lifting weights or wearing sports bras before in historical mosaics. So this kind of blew their fucking minds. But the good news is in the last few years, they've been trying to reverse the labels and the books and call it the athletic girls. So I thought it was really cool. This is mosaics of women wearing the bandages of sports bras being boss ass ladies. Like you do. Yeah, like you do. I mean, it's painful. If you don't have boobs, if you're jumping around, being all athletic, it gets painful. So it's, Yeah, it's not comfortable. It's not. <laughs> all right. So number three, corsets that cinched the waist and popped up the maracas went out of style during World War One, when the army needed more steel and asked women to give them up. <laughs> I didn't really know this either. <laughs> So before then, women squeezed themselves into corsets that molded their figures to the fit Victorian ideal of voluptuous bosoms atop teeny waists. But since corset frames are mostly made out of metal, which is needed for ammunition and other military supplies, the U.S. War Industries Board asked American women in 1917 to stop buying them, stop wearing them, and give them all to the war effort. So... Hooray! I don't want to say hooray for war, but yay military for taking all the corsets, because those are fucking uncomfortable. Number also, four. Also rude. Oh. You're taking our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think at that I point they were just taking everything. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the metal. So number four. The first silicone breast implant was performed in 1962. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize it's that old. Right? So, if you hate math like I do, that's 57 years ago. <laughs> so, it started out just popular among ladies in entertainment. So, go-go dancers, burlesque, exotic dancers, and then ladies in Hollywood. And then, it ended up moving on to more popular mainstream, so everybody had it. But, speaking of strippers, I just watched that Hustlers movie. Oh, really? Yes. It was so fucking good. But, I left being like, one, I need to learn how to pole dance. Two, I need to be like J-Lo. Three, I need to look like J-Lo pole dancing. Because holy shit, she... <laughs> It'll blow your mind. You should watch it. Anyway, back to my... <laughs> I have to admit, I think if I watch this movie, I'm pretty sure I'm still not going to have the desire to pole dance. <laughs> the muscles! I was oh, no, I admire the art. I admire oh the God. art of it. I know it takes a lot. Same with that ribbon dancing, like where people can fly and do trapeze stuff on a oh, ribbon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Mind. I'm just, I'm, in, it was a good movie. Anyway. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so it became, you know, everyday women were investing in these until the implant scare of the 90s, in which a lot of women had problems with the implants, and the FDA actually banned them for 14 years, which I also did not realize that they were banned. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Leaking or something? Uh, yeah, I think they were leaking, and then people are also like, oh, they give you cancer and stuff. They said that they are now back. In fact, more women are getting implants now than ever before, and that's over 300,000 a year currently. That's a lot of boobs. Are these, are these single or a pair? <laughs> I think pair, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was watching, I was listening to some podcast that talked about implants. If you get cremated, <laughs> like, somebody asked them, like, do you take them out? They're like, no, they just burn up with it. But The only thing I think is interesting is that they put a serial number on theirs. Like, if you died or were murdered and they found your body, at least they can identify you that way. Oh, I've totally seen that on Law and Order. Where they I'm pretty sure that's where I got it from. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, um. 
Okay, so number five, the Grand Teton National, I'm probably saying that wrong, National Park is an American national park in northwestern Wyoming. At approximately 310,000 acres, the park includes the major peaks of a 40-mile-long range. The park is only 10 miles south of Yellowstone National Park. So what does that have to do with the girls? The park is actually named for Grand Teton, the tallest mountain in the Teton Range. The naming of the mountains is attributed to a 19th century French-speaking trapper, Le Trois-Tetons, which means the three teats. <laughs> and it was later Americanized and shortened to Tetan. So the entire park is named after three boobs because some French dude saw it and was like, that looks like a boob. So It'd be funny if he's like, I saw a total recall. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Yes, I just thought time. it was so fun. It's like this majestic park in Wyoming and close One to Yellowstone. is paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> God, so good. And my last random fact is, have you ever wondered why people flash their Liberty Bells at Mardi Gras? Well, I have, actually. <laughs> gotta now grace the world with this knowledge that I found. French for holiday, known as Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras is that special day for Christians to get all naughty before they head to church the next day to mark Lent with Ash Wednesday. For those who observe Lent, Mardi Gras is a healthy way to exercise those demons so that you can be good for 40 days. So one of the most infamous acts is flashing those boobies for beads on Bourbon Street. So how did all this begin? So we're going to back up. One of the most well-known traditions of Mardi Gras is the bead throwing from the epic floats. As the International Business Times explains, and I quote, <laughs> the tradition of bead throwing starts with the original colors. The colors of the beads are determined by the king of the first daytime carnival in 1872. He wanted the colors to be royal colors, purple for justice, gold for power, and green for faith. The idea was to toss the color to the person who exhibited the color's meaning. Anyway, now they don't actually throw the glass beads like they did in the 60s or up until the 60s. Now they're those plasticky ones. But they decided not to throw glass beads because people are drunk and they'll be, you know, I know Imagine if they break or shatter or something. Yeah, that's pretty bad. These days, people would sue you. Yeah. People sue over everything. They're religious. They're hella religious. And then... <laughs> well, yeah, the whole thing is like get all your... You know, partying out before you have to give everything up for Lynn. Oh, okay. So how does one get their hands on these beads? Become a thing that if you flash your yin-yang twins, you're going to get some beads. <laughs> if you think women flashing their breasts through Mardi Gras is a relatively new phenomenon, then you're mistaken. The act, and I use the word act here because any longtime New Orleans resident will tell you this is not a tradition. It's just something people do. But it dates back to 1889, which blew my fucking mind. Because if you think about the 1880s, you think people are very reserved and it's very taboo. But yeah, they're apparently flashing their knockers to everybody. It was in that year that a local newspaper, the Times Democrat, observed and documented, and I quote, a degree of immodesty exhibited by nearly all female masqueraders seen on the streets. Fun fact... It says that 68% of men and 63% of women have five to six drinks in one setting at Mardi Gras. And then a quarter of them said that they had more than 16 drinks. So 
you're thinking about the amount of alcohol people are consuming at Mardi Gras, then that's probably why people think it'd be a great idea to be like, woo, flashing. Now, after 16, I'm going to be asleep. <laughs> Pass the fuck out. But I'll say, I don't even think I've ever had six drinks in one sitting. <laughs> that take a while for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming that because it's a study, it's probably like eight ounces or whatever. But I know a lot of those hurricanes you can get at New Orleans are enormous. So yeah. hopefully nobody's down in 16 of those because you will die. Luciano, do you drink at all or drink much? Uh, not much. I'm pretty lightweight. <laughs> I just... I mean, I like to drink, but I just don't. Mm. On social occasions. Monday to like, would you earn beads? I guess that's what I'm asking. Would you earn your beads? <laughs> I'd do anything for them, yes. <laughs> One of those things, the experience. You can't go to Mardi Gras and not. Honest, I would, no. I'll, I'll go to Walmart. I'll go to Walmart for my beads. You get your own beads. This thing that's called a dollar store. <laughs> I know, I used to get those for the library, which... I'm just thinking, everybody thinks the beads is flashing, but we're handing them out. The kids like them. They have no idea. Not the little ones. Yeah. So, even though the flashing was happening in the 1880s, it didn't really become a staple until the 1970s. So, women's liberation, y'all. And Mm -hmm. the practice also saw a decrease in the 80s and 90s. So, backlash to the women's liberation, guys. (laughs) But in 1999, the practice was so enshrined in what we of Mardi Gras that it became something you see in classics like Girls Gone Wild, Mardi Gras Madness. Oh. <laughs> so if flashing your bouncy castles isn't your jam, then... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bouncy castles, I think is now my favorite. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> You're welcome. The website says that you can get plenty of beads from the balconies just by asking. You don't have to flash anybody. And it helps by not wearing a lot of beads. So if you're somebody that doesn't have any beads, people are more likely to give them to you. And also, if you just go to the parades, you'll get beads without flashing too. So it's not necessarily you got to flash your goods. You can get them other ways. But I want to double down on this not being a tradition thing because apparently... If you're a native to New Orleans, this makes your blood boil. The people are like, oh, it's a tradition. They're like, it's not a fucking tradition. Just some of the people do. And I found a really good quote that sums this up. They said, saying that it's a tradition is like saying that people who get drunk and pass out on Bourbon Street are following tradition as well. So. Just a thing. But they said that flashing is not a real tradition of Mardi Gras. It's just rather a phenomenon that surrounds spring break mentality of young people getting drunk and, uh... Doing dumb shit. So, that was interesting. That was interesting. Yeah. So, just a I bunch didn't... of drunk folk. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize how long it's been doing that, though. Yeah, I was the really 18. shocked. The 1880s, because, you know, with the clothes they wore then, how did they yeah. even get them out? Okay, that's where my thought, my brain went to. <laughs> I'm not saying. They could probably pull down, not pull up. Now yeah. it's all like, woo, but yeah, they probably pull down. I yes, Luciano, do you have anything you would like to add? No, that's just funny. I wasn't even thinking about clothes. You're like, no, I'll put down that up. I got it. <laughs> I did a uh, whole thing for a museum one time about fashion through the ages. I think it's about that time that the neckline was down. Some of them were like up here. But sometimes they got pretty low in the 19th century and then they went back up. It's funny like how people think is acceptable versus not. <laughs> You know, like the the sweetheart low cut net lines to your like you said, like you described the turtlenecks, like up mm-hmm. high. 
and just what what really is the difference between one and the other? Like, how is this okay, and then all of a sudden it's not, and vice versa. Yeah. And then, hell, heaven forbid, women wear pants, you know? Oh, man. La gasp. That's my <laughs> pearl. Uh. One of my family stories is how my great-grandmother wore pants, and it just shocked the fuck out of everybody in Yellville, Arkansas. Like, people are like, oh, what's wrong with her? She wears pants. And then... The devil's like, got it. Okay. The devil's got it. The devil's got it. One of the stories mom tells me. I'm just like, that is insane. But, yeah. I'm like, I'm from a long line of wild women, I guess. I think she drove a car, too. And Whoa. people were like, what the fuck's wrong with her? Why is she driving a car? My mom said it was one of the cars where the engine was in the trunk. And she would try to go up a hill, but she couldn't make it. So she'd back up the hill. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, you really good at reverse, I guess. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, it's read women. Wild. But yeah, that's my that's my sig. A sig, man. And you're not sad anymore. We're not. I laughed yeah. a lot. Yay. It's hard to get. It's hard to be funny when bad things happen. You're like, I yeah. mean, some people can, but like, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Like, you're almost just an asshole at that point. Yeah. 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 Yeah, mur- murder's not funny. Brings me down. But it's interesting to know the history, because I am one of those, I think, that I want to know the victims' names, not the yes. murderers. Because it's same thing we were talking about Bundy. Everybody knows his name, but I, who can name one of his victims? That really sucks, you know? So, yeah. hopefully. And I think with podcasts, that's becoming a thing. A lot of people do true crime, and people are learning more about the victims. Yeah. You better believe it. If I get murdered, people better be saying my name and not that motherfucker that murdered me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that's important. <laughs> Anywho, if you like this podcast and you want to hear more of our wondrous voices and get all kinds of other exclusive content, you should join Patreon at patreon.com slash historicalafpod. <laughs> you can see me every now and then eating chips. Yeah, we do bloopers. Well, we because you do your little eye things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like ducks down. So if you like to see Luciano pretend to be a little kitty cat or a neighbor from <laughs> Home Improvement, he's doing it cur- currently. <laughs> Become yeah. a member on Patreon. It's actually yeah. quite humorous. I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. And we have stickers and buttons. So everybody that signs up is getting mail from us. So, stickers, hell yeah! Who doesn't yeah. love a sticker? So you get all kinds of stuff, and you get free shit. Why would you not want to join Patreon? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Plus, our drunk dives are really funny. <laughs> They're my favorite thing, honestly. Oh, Luciana, you should do our. He should be part of our drunk dive. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, our people will contact your people. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And by people, I mean Kina. <laughs> my people will call you people. Have them set up lunch. Thanks. <laughs> All right. And also, we have merch. So you should definitely go check that out. That's shop.spreadshirt.com slash historicalafpod. There's a theme here. Everything. <laughs> Except for our website. That's historicalafpodcast.wordpress.com. And that's where we'll put all our photos and sources and stuffs. And what's next? Social media. You want to do the social media so I don't talk the whole time. You can talk. 
I don't remember what it is, so you can talk. Is it Historical AF Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter? Yes! Yeah. Super easy. And then we need your stories for our extra AF episodes. So if you have a paranormal experience. I've had two people tell me they loved your ghost story, Luciana, last episode. Oh, yeah? Yes. That's actually probably my favorite part, too. So true. So good. And uh, yeah, so if your town has any myths or legends, we definitely want it. It's spooky season, so send us our scary shit because it's October. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's ramp it up. Scare me. I dare you. But not right now because I'm home alone. I don't want to be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween is like my favorite holiday. So I'm like, yes, bring it on. He's traveling a lot, so he goes for like a week at a time, and so pretty much all of October he'll be gone. So I'm like, oh, the scary stuff I'll be watching and listening to. He'll be like, oh god, save me! Just turn the lights on. It's okay. Clutch <laughs> my rosary. I'm not even Catholic, but I do have one, so figure that out. Am I missing anything? I don't remember. I think that's all. I Social medias, that. merch. When in doubt, just Google us. If you Google yeah. us, we pop up. We do. I've, yeah. I've done it. <laughs> yeah, just go to our website. Everything's on there. Yeah. Woo! Luciana, if someone wanted to look up how you how to like get tickets to your shows or something, how to so, contact you. Yeah, so comedian Luciano on Instagram and on anything else really, but really that's the most that's the main one I do. I mean, Facebook, I have a page that I really don't maintain because it's a lot of work. And yeah. so Instagram, I'm usually on that. Um, what else? What other things I have? Twitter, but I don't really use that. Um, <laughs> Snapchat, I think. So, yeah, so Comedian's channel, uh, but definitely on Instagram, I'm posting a lot just because it's easy. Facebook, I use my own name just because my fan page. I just, it's a lot to keep up. So, Comedian's channel, you get, yeah, just message me directly. And I'll, I'm, I usually post on my shows. So, this weekend, uh, September the 19th to the 21st, I'll be in at Hyenas Comedy Nightclub in downtown Fort Worth. Next Friday, I'll be at uh, Dallas Comedy House's. Stand up. They do it once a month. I'll be there. That show starts at 10.30. Go take a nap. That's late. It <laughs> starts. It's 10.30. And then I'll be back at Hyenas Fort Worth October 3rd for one night show. So yeah, all that I'll be posting on Instagram. So follow me. I'm, I'm hilarious. At least that's what my mom says. So. <laughs> my mom says it too. Yes. My mom, mom. does not. Actually. <laughs> Your mom can suck it. She don't listen. <laughs> She does not. My mom does not appreciate or approve of the cussing and stuff. And oh, that, like, means it's, that means it's good. That means I'm doing a good job. My mom yeah. used to, like, years ago, she'd be like, I really wish you and your sister wouldn't say fuck so much. And now she says fuck more than both of us. So there's hope. <laughs> well, and sometimes, like, even those earlier, something was frustrating. I'm like, I'm like, Mom, they can just fuck off. Like, why do you care so much? She's like, Natalie. Really? I'm like, she's like, you don't have to have that attitude. I'm like, they don't have to have that attitude. I think with age, too, I think you get to a point where you're just like, fuck it. Yeah. Everybody can fuck off. No. Yeah. I know, that's why I'm so worried. Like, if I'm like this now, <laughs> how will I be in the future? You're an old soul. I've always felt you're more like my age than your age. So Me too. You're fine. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you next week. And next week, we will have another guest. We're not kicking out Luciana. We're just, you know. No, no, no. Love to have you back. You're so funny. I love your stuff. That's right. Next time, I'm going to (laughs) charge. Yeah, next week will be my friend. She had to move to Japan, and 
you know, if you're, if you're a military spouse out there that has to move to a new duty station and you have no job and no friends, you're bored as fuck. So I was like, hey, come on the podcast. <laughs> She's nice. funny. <laughs> nice. Uh, I wish I was in Japan. Anyway, see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that was pretty fun.